Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. This is a very special Uncharted podcast episode. Hello, I'm your host, Josh Belcher. In honor of President Abraham Lincoln's birthday, February 12th, and then upcoming President's Day on the 15th, I got to talk to a very brilliant human being, Whitney Braun. Now, she did a documentary that is fantastic. You can watch it on Discovery+. Plus. Uh, if you stream it, get it online or uh, wherever you stream anything on your phone. Uh, you know, things of that nature. It's called The Lost Lincoln. Now, she has discovered a photo that was supposedly taken uh, right after the president had passed away. It is a fascinating documentary. Uh, I watched it, and uh, it was just, it was great from beginning to end. A truly uh, thrill-seeking event. So get Discovery Plus, check it out. And in the meantime, listen to this interview as I learned a lot speaking with her. It was very engaging and very fun. So happy birthday, President Lincoln. Happy President's Day. God bless America. And may we still stay strong in this time of unpredictable chaos. Okay, with that being said, here we go with the interview. This is the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Enjoy. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, it's, it's, it's totally my pleasure. Thank you for, for reaching out. I mean, it's always exciting when people actually watch it. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'm having shoulder surgery tomorrow, total replacement. So I'm already off work. They wanted me to quarantine because of uh, COVID and everything. Sure. And I, I got discovery because of 90 Day Fiance. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the funny thing is literally most of last night was spent in a text conversation between me, my best friend and my mom discussing 90 day fiance because we're obsessed with that show utterly obsessed and um we are um the funny thing is i had never watched it before i became a 90 day fiance uh petitioner so my 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 fiance sitting next to me uh we met in peru and then i had to petition him and so my uh my mom and my best friend were like you gotta watch the show you finally gotta watch the show and i was like "Eh," i was kind of reluctant and then i watched one episode and I have gone down the rabbit hole. Hooked hooked in, yeah. Hooked. I have seen every episode. I've seen every bonus, every sneak peek, every weird, like, additional kind of behind-the-scenes look of, I've watched it all. (laughs) Well, I've I've watched it since since season one. Just, you can't not watch once you're in there. And I work, yeah, I work work part-time at Planet Fitness here where I live in Columbia, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And we had a lady come in and she said, I'm about to marry a guy that lives in Prague. So I did the same thing. I was, I had to talk her into doing it and she got this close to being on, but the guy scammed her. He was like, uh, he, he did it to a lot of women. So it was null and void. Oh, oh, that's heartbreaking. And that was my closest capture because, you know, it's like you said, when you watch it, it's hit or miss. There's, there's people who, who are actually in love and that's more power to them. But more often than not, it's like the lady right now, who's with the young um, guy from Belize, I believe. Oh yes. Stephanie. Stephanie. You can just tell like, you know, he didn't get mad when she was like, I was with your cousin, <laughs> you I know? know? I know. I mean, right. like, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, know. I, I think Zied's got the right intentions. I think they're a little rough on him. Um, and I really want to see Big Ed um, find somebody. 
You like I Big know, Ed? I know. Well, you know who, like, um, I was getting palpitations because, so Jorge flew here. I mean, by here, he flew into Tijuana and I picked him up in Tijuana and then we drove down south. And I was having like palpitations at the airport. I was literally in a full on panic attack texting my mom because I was like, what if what happens to him happens, you know, what happened to Amira happens yeah. to him? What if, what yeah. if I, and, it, and it's been five minutes and he's not out the gate yet. It's been 10 minutes. He's not at the gate. My mom's like, calm down. Immigration takes time. Like just, but I was, I was having PTSD from watching Amira's s s struggle and oh. Yeah. That's the French lady, right? Yeah, the French lady who got detained in Mexico. And I'm yeah. sorry, but she needs to move on from Andrew because yeah. he seems to have zero empathy, sympathy for the fact that she spent basically four days in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No shower, no toilet. And he's just like, well, you know, I'm vacationing, having a good time. Yeah, now go to Serbia and we'll try this again. Yeah, yeah. let's go to Serbia. That'll be better. <laughs> After that, we'll go to Iran or Iraq. And <laughs> Uh, and plus, and I hate to say this because I'm not shallow, but like, she's pretty, pretty attractive. And he's kind of like, no, like you'd find him at Bonnaroo or something. I know. I mean, she's, she's really like stunningly gorgeous. I mean, I think, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, what, what, what is the attraction here? But I, well, you know, the funny thing is, is some of my friends, because obviously I have connections at Discovery um, and my friends are like, why don't you get on the show? Why don't you get on the show? And I said, absolutely not. Because, um, I, I had a hard enough time filming Lincoln because I cannot feel comfortable with the camera there. You know, yeah. it's just, it's yeah. just not my natural way of being. So I like doing that to film a documentary is one thing, doing that with your spouse, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> for like intimate moment. Like, I don't understand yeah. how I could not get used to that. I could not get used yeah. to them having a, a camera in your room. Um, no. Yeah, plus <laughs> there's going to be times too when, it's going to be like not necessarily human there, but like like you'll see the cameras on the uh, windshield and all that. Mm -hmm. That you there might be times where you'll like forget they're there, and you'll know you'll just go straight, you know, whatever. So yeah, I I, don't I just I can't I couldn't do it I couldn't do it I mean you know more power to the people that, that can but I have a very uh, like being on camera is not comfortable for me so yeah. it's one thing to be on camera by myself but then to be like you know in the heat of like let's say you know, discussions over, over your relationship yeah. with the camera. That's, that's, I can I can't do that. And plus being a, a, a student of the 90 day fiance, I think also, and, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a compliment. You're a classy lady. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not downing these people on the show, but I think they're like, they'll do anything, you know, for attention and whatever, and like push buttons and, and envelopes. Cause they are, most of them are just like the train wreck and you're just like, I don't want to see it, but here it comes, you know? Yeah, it, it's, it's hard. Like, uh, you know, it, it, what's funny to me too, is that like, like Jorge and I can communicate more or less in, in two different languages. And even with the ability to communicate in two different languages, you know, we still have struggles. I don't understand the people that don't speak the same language at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 what, I was trying to think, what was the little guys from Kentucky? And he's with the girl from Brazil, and they're constantly My like, favorite. Yeah. Yes, Paul. 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 That's it, Paul. And he is like that guy. He's I don't know. I just pray for him. That's he it. is my absolute favorite to watch, and yeah. I feel like such a jerk because he is just a magnet for disaster. Like the <laughs> the guy sets fire to his own stuff for insurance money, and then somehow be labeled a domestic terrorist by Brazilian legal standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, 
it just and, and the way he acts because like he's like a year younger than me mm-hmm. and he's like he's in there with his mom he's like oh it's okay i'll just get out right here and ongoing traffic just takes off walking <laughs> <laughs> he's my like mom, yeah my mom sent just, me a, a gift last night to show uh to show jorge of i forget it's one of my favorite scenes it's paul um getting into the river in brazil with carini and he's going oh poop water poop water poop water <laughs> just, Did, uh, I, I get like uh, 90 day memes up my Instagram and have you seen the one, what's the, um, and I'm not good with names, unfortunately, but oh, I do nice. watch them. But the, the, I remember your name, Whitney Braun, because Braun Strowman is my favorite wrestler. Have you ever heard? Oh, I know that's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was like Braun Strowman, yeah, but um, the, the lady that like, she moved to, I guess, Washington, she calls the guy low class. I think she's from Russia. Natalie. Have you seen the meme where she's hugging the tree and it says, <laughs> They finally find somebody that's taller than her and doesn't eat meat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's just, and like I said, when I found out Discovery, I was like, oh, cause there's extra. Cause I'm like, I'm going to be in a cast, uh, you know, three months, just, I have two jobs and now I'm going to be three months just idle. I was like, oh, just, that's perfect for me. And then, yeah. um, uh, okay, I'm going to, my ADD is kicking in. So I'm going to go this way. No but, problem. I'm, I'm surfing down and I love presidents because here in Columbia, uh, James Polk's only home is here, like his only standing home. And I, I like studying them and, and everything. And I saw that. And of course, I click it and I could not not watch it. I, I thought it was brilliant so much. In fact, it was so well done and so entertaining and educational that I had to seek you out because it's like one of those suspenses where like you just can't, it, you know, same thing. Just can't stop watching. It was well done. So I wanted to. Oh, pick thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I love the picture. When I first saw it, I'm like, nah, you know, you're on the fence about it. Then the more you're talking to people and they're like, okay, blood in the hair and the nose is like this because, you know, the lighting. And I'm like, yeah, that's, it, it totally makes sense because, and then the thing your dad did, and I've never seen anybody do that, like the jello stuff mm-hmm. um, or shooting the, the can or the little pistol. I was like, totally makes sense. It'll get lodged back there and the eyeball sticking mm-hmm. out and just, just fantastic. Um, how, I don't even know where to begin with that. How did you get involved with such an amazing thing? Yeah. So, so like most good things in life chance. Um, so, so my backstory is my dad, obviously you saw in the documentary is gunsmith and, um, and historian. And so when I was growing up and I worked in his gun shop, uh, people would come in all the time with old guns that they dug up on their property. And they're like, Hey, is this Daniel Boone's flintlock? Hey, you know, is this a Texas Ranger gun? Like, and so we, we built sort of a reputation for researching old firearms and telling people, you know, what they had, cause you know, or is it a fake? Is it just a, a factory, you know, made gun or is it, did it belong to somebody famous, you know, and that, that sets a value. And so that was our job. And then secondarily, my sort of weird childhood hobby was, you know, you don't have a lot of money when you're a kid, I'd go to antique stores and I would just buy old photographs. And um, it always made me really sad that when you'd go to like a flea market or an antique store and you'd see people's family photo collections just for sale. And so I would pick up, you know, for a buck, you could buy a box of old photographs and, you know, for 12 year old kid, that's, you know, you got a few bucks in your pocket and I'd buy old photographs and I would see if I could, like we did in documentary, use the clues in the pictures because a picture's worth a thousand words or maybe some handwriting scribbled on the back or something to figure out who these people were 
And then I'd upload the pictures to ancestry.com or to other genealogy sites and hopefully reunite them with some relative. And it was just purely a hobby. And it was just a hobby that then evolved into people going, hey, are we related? Like, how come you have a picture of our, and I'm like, no, we're not related. I just like doing this. And then that turned into sort of like people seeking me out saying, hey, I got a picture. Can you, can you research it? So this was all my side hustle for no money, right? It wasn't, yeah, yeah, it was purely a hobby as a kid. Um, And so side hustle is not even the right word because it's a hobby. And then it kind of started to morph into a little bit of a side hustle, but, but not, you know, I, that wasn't how I was paying the bills. My main job is, is I'm, I, I teach medical school. Um, And so uh, then lo and behold, just again, life being luck, uh, Archie Gibbs, who's our executive producer on the project, he, um, he and I met up for lunch a few years ago and, and uh, he, he's like, Hey, you know, um, what, a, you know, what about that stuff you and your dad did? And we thought, well, maybe this would be a cool show idea, kind of like Antiques Roadshow meets Forensic Files. Um, yeah. You know, like yeah. you find something in a junk shop, how do you figure out if it's actually got some, you know, some history to it? And so we started with that idea and then just through circumstance, you know, happenstance rather, met people and this picture came into um, our, our sphere of consciousness, we became aware of the picture mm-hmm. right at the moment that we were like, Hey, this might be a cool idea. And so, and so we ran with it and, and we ended up making a documentary and I'm like you, I mean, the first time I saw it, um, you know, I remember we were in a room and we looked at it and, um, kind of glanced at each other and, you know, it's like, I think I think the first thing that we said was like, wow, it looks a lot like a, an old Amish guy dead in a bed, right? That was sort of, because it's not the August Lincoln on the $5 bill, you know, it's, yeah. it's not. But the more I kind of looked at it, you know, because I work in healthcare and I used to be a paramedic and I'm not completely unfamiliar with seeing deceased people. Um, I was thinking to myself like, wow, there are things about this picture that I can't explain. Right, like mm-hmm. it's if it's not him, the circumstances of like someone with facial trauma that is consistent with what happened to Lincoln and moles on their face that are consistent with Lincoln. Like, if it's not Lincoln, what are the odds? Of, you know, who is this? You know, and so it just it literally just turned into full on obsession. I mean, that's that's really yeah. the only word. And um, the feeling for me as I was listening to you talk is that. Um, you know, when you think of Lincoln, and and I've been fortunate enough, like I said, I, I think I showed you the picture, and you've probably seen it as well, the actual chair mm-hmm. uh, that he was shot mm-hmm. in. I got to see that at the museum in uh, Michigan, and mm-hmm. then I've seen the little cabin he was born in. And when you look at it, when you think of Lincoln, kind of like you think of anybody that you admire, that that is such a vulnerable state. At first, you're like, well, that's not how you want to picture such a man mm-hmm. that made such a difference. But yeah. once you get past that emotion and you're like thinking logically, at least for me, while the adventure goes, I'm like, okay, you know, like you see his mole, his, his facial things. And then, you know, in the hair part, I was like, it looks thinning. But then uh, the gentleman that brought up the blood, wasn't that the guy from concussion? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Bennett Obama. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Just so interesting. I mean, just a nail biter. And he was like, oh, I was like, okay. So that's why it looks kind of thin because, you know, you can see it, it was kind of hardened from blood and then just, you're just roped in and I'm like, wow, it just, uh, just perfect, perfectly done. Um, 
interesting. And, and by the time I was done, I was like that, you know, my, my main question was, um, okay, the, the, the brothers that were in there taking the pictures, mm -hmm. uh, this the is what I gathered and, and, and correct me. What were their names? Uh, uh, the Olkey brothers. <clears throat> okay. Now, correct me. I'm sure I'm going to be incorrect, but if they were not allowed to take pictures during uh, Valentine's um, tenure there watching him, why would they have a camera in there anyway? That was my main thing, and I might have missed a part. Yeah, well, actually, so, here, so here's the interesting thing. There's no official declaration prohibiting photographs uh, mm -hmm. until a week after Lincoln died. So basically, um, what happened is Lincoln's body was embalmed, and it was put on a train to tour the country and, and recreate his inaugural tour. They, put, they basically took him back to Springfield to bury him on the same route that he had come to DC, you know, oh, okay. when, he, when he became president. So he went on a, a, a farewell tour by train, a funeral train. And they took him for a time about a week after uh, his, uh, his passing to New York where he was, he was put on display to lie in state uh, in the okay. New York Capitol building. Now, while he was there, um, a, cup, a, a father and son photography team, uh, Gurney and Sons, they took a photo and uh, ran it in the newspaper. Um, mm. And when Stanton found out about that, now they had been given permission by the commanding officer. I, uh, his name is escaping me at the moment, but there was a commanding officer guarding the body at the time. And he went, yeah, that's fine. You can take a picture from the balcony. Um, the, um, when Stanton found out about that, he was furious and he said, no, no, no. And he collected all the glass plates and had them broken. And he, but wow. he kept a copy for himself. And the only that copy still exists in the Springfield Museum. And it was only found in 1954 in his papers. So there is that's a- that's the one that was like a, I'm sorry, oh. the one that was from distance, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it was only a week after Lincoln was dead that there was an official mandate, you know, prohibiting photographs. So yeah, to your point, there was a, a, historical sense, right, that there were never supposed to be photographs taken. But if you actually look at the timeline from 1865, that order doesn't come down till about a week later. And we know there was a camera in the room. So we can't dispute that there was a camera in the room. The question is simply, did that camera take other photos than the two known photos of the empty bed? And my assertion is simply, Imagine you're a paparazzi today, you're TMZ, and you got a camera with a lens focused on someone. You only take two yeah. shots. I mean, that seems highly unlikely. And then we sort of add to the fact that the Olkies began their careers in post-mortem portraiture, right? They start their career capturing image, you know, painting an image of a dead princess. So the German tradition was to photograph your dead leaders. Like if you look at, you know, the German, um, politicians and and royalty of the 19th century they were always photographed where we didn't really do that and also they were typically photographed with their eyes open so there's sort of like these you know these elements that you start to go and this is the thing I always try to point out to people it's kind of like borrowing from philosophy from Frederick Nietzsche I cannot say with 100% certainty this is Lincoln I just cannot say it's not there's no piece of evidence that makes it not possible, right? Yeah, there's, there's more defending that it is though, because you know, the trail, it just, it'd be highly unlikely because you know, the way, you know, from the uh, second cousin once removed, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, uh, uh, Margaret Hanks. 
which is related to Tom Hanks. I found out after I did some research. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Um, but you know, to get down to this guy and now it's like, have you, you've seen the actual photo? Have you got to see it? Mm -hmm. The real one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know it's like a safe, right? People are fighting over it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it just all, it all points to it. I mean, it just, uh, it's just fascinating. Like I said, it, there's a toss-up, but it, it more is leaning towards this This is him because of everything that you have laid out for us and everything we got to study. And I just think it's an amazing find. Around. Well, thank you. I mean, the thing is, and, and what I, you know, I I do believe it is Lincoln. I just, you know, always want people to, to remember that, like, I can't say Bigfoot exists. I just sure. can't say that I don't have proof he doesn't, you know, or he, or he or she, whatever Bigfoot is, you know, male or female. I can't, I can't say aliens exist. I just can't say that I can prove they don't, right? And so that's always the standard here is like, we can't ever say, it's not like we can dip something in acid and go, boom, it's, you know, 100% real. What we can just do is lay out all the evidence and go, well, shucks, there's so much here that I can't say it's not. And the preponderance of evidence is so great that like, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna put my reputation on something, I'm gonna say yes, you know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just fun. And, and the thing that's cool about this is since the, the, the show has aired, um, other people have come forward and brought other photos, not necessarily Lincoln related, but, you know, um, other photographs that they've found in their attics or their basements, you know, and said, hey, you know, I think this might be someone famous or, and, and so that's been what's really cool about this is my hope was always that people would watch the show and then they would say, shoot, you know, I got a, a trunk in the attic full of old photos. Let me go see what that is before I put it in the dumpster, you know, because yeah, so much of life's history ends up in the dumpster, unfortunately. Very unfortunate. And then, um, you know, make a TV show out of that. I, I know I'd watch it. I'm sure a lot of people would. You know? Thanks. Now, um, you have a tie like your great grandfather took these kind of pictures, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my great grandfather, well, great, great grandfather rather, uh, was Ori T. Davis. Uh, and he, he was one of the first photographers, uh, in the Colorado and New Mexico territories. Um, and so I think maybe because of that history with him, uh, being, you know, a pioneering photographer, I, I've always, always been fascinated by the early photographic processes, you know, because, because now it's just so easy to snap a photo, right? I just, you know, take, take a bunch and delete half of them, probably more than half. And you just think about the amount of um, effort and chemistry and like danger that went into making yeah. photographs because those like a lot of those chemicals now are controlled substances, you know, got arsenic and formaldehyde and, um, you know, chloroform and all these chemicals that you'd use to, to develop the glass plates. And it's, it's a pretty dangerous business, actually. Yeah. And you'd mentioned it, and I was thinking about it, it made me laugh, you know, paparazzi back then. Could you imagine telling a celebrity, hey, you have to be really still for yeah. about, what, 10, 15 minutes? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is that, like, uh, you know, I had always wondered this as a little kid, and I figured it out later, that part of the reason, you know, everybody looks so somber and, um, kind of creepy in 19th century photos is because the exposure time is so long. So if you try, just a little fun exercise, if you try holding a smile exactly perfectly still for nine seconds, it's actually pretty hard. And then if your jaw wiggles, you get a blurred bit, you know, image. And so photographers would say, you know, stare at the camera, you know, stiff, stiff upper lip. And so people got these creepy, you know, intense stares in their photographs. So I was kind of joking with, with Jorge and I was saying, you know, for our wedding pictures, 
I kind of want to do collodion. Uh, but everyone will look miserable in the pictures. I still think it would look cool to have our wedding pictures be collodion style, you know, 10 types and amber types, but you know, we, everybody would look miserable. Uh, so I don't know, I don't know if that's a good move, but I think it would be kind of cool. Yeah. Especially with today's, you know, you got to have instant validation, instant everything. Yeah. I can only imagine, <laughs> but you know, I always like the past, you know, with this, I've seen some tans, obviously not to the caliber you have, but I have seen a couple in articles and things where uh, family members would pose with like the deceased and the, the, the child or the person's mm -hmm. eyes would be open and everything. But that was the norm back then to like capture them. Like maybe that was the only time they could afford to take a picture. And it just Frequently. always fascinated me. Yeah. yeah. Frequently the only uh, photograph you might get of somebody was when they were dead, you know, it's sort of like, okay, now let's put out the money. So we have, you know, a memory of them where in life, you're like, well, next week, we'll take a picture next week. And what's, what's fascinating to, to me about, you know, the 19th century, like photographic images of the dead is, is I first got um, kind of aware of them, I guess. But do you remember that movie with Nicole Kidman called The Others? Uh, it's, Mr. T Mr. and Mrs. Tuttle and all that? Yeah. Is that the one where they're all ghosts? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I remember watching that movie years ago and um, being utterly fascinated by that and then thinking oh man someday I'd love to talk to the guy they used to consult on this movie and then lo and behold life comes full circle and uh, that was Stanley Burns who we featured in the documentary and he's got the largest collection in the world of these types of photographs and he's studied them he's written he's literally written the books on them he's got several books called Sleeping Beauties and it's so funny to me like do you think about for example the reason we call a living room a living room is because you would display your dead relative in a coffin in the living room. So it's sort of the opposite, right? But like, because you didn't have a funeral parlor, right? When your relative died, you'd put them in a casket in the front window so the neighbors could come by and pay their respects. And that room was called the living room. I mean, instead of the morning room. Um, so it's, you know, it's so interesting how we, we are so like removed from death now. I mean, even in a pandemic, we're still very removed from it. And in the 19th century, it was just such a part of life that you're like, all right, get a camera in here. We're going to photograph our deceased loved ones sitting up at the table like they're eating, you know, mac and cheese. We're just going to get a moment of them in life. And it's, yeah, so it's, it's, it's strange how, how much our kind of social norms have changed. Yeah, I mean, and I'm fresh off a funeral. My grandmother passed away in oh, September. So uh, sorry. Thank you, thank you. And, and you bringing that up made me think, because I delivered her eulogy and it just seemed so fast because after I was done speaking roughly 15 minutes, it was like, okay, let's gather everybody for session, put her in the vehicle, take her up the road, you know, a mile and then done. I mean, you yeah. would think like in 1860, that would probably be like, what, a week's worth of stuff having to get done? I, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah. I mean, um, I think that, yeah, it's, 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 it death was, I think, a far more um, ceremonial act. I mean, when you think about it, like up, you know, it's only only been the, like the last fifty years in America that we die in hospitals. You know, okay, maybe not fifty. Let's say seventy-five. Like since World War II, you know, yeah. prior to that, you died at home. Um, you know, and 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 you had people come to the house. And like you said, yeah, you put somebody in a wagon and you took them slowly through town. And then you had a ceremony where you dug the grave yourself. And, you know, and now it's just, you know, you call a relative and be like, Hey, what day do you want to schedule the funeral? Well, I don't know. I'm busy Tuesday. Let's do it Wednesday. And then you negotiate with a funeral parlor. 
Yeah, and if you can't make it because of the pandemic, just like we're talking now, there's a camera on Facebook where you can, you know, you can view. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 quite, you know, it's it's quite a change, you know, from what life was. And and you kind of think now, like even um if you were if I don't know if one of our presidents died now, like I don't know if we would put them on display like with an open casket, especially not after they'd been shot and take them on like a goodwill tour of the US. You know, we, yeah. I don't, we wouldn't Probably do that now. In the Capitol building and people would come to them, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think the closest thing we have is like when John McCain passed or, well, when, when Bush Sr. passed, you know, they took him by train, but it was closed. It was just, you know, a train speeding across the country. It wasn't this big visual thing where people lined up for miles, you know, to, to come in and look at the casket. But uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's an, it's kind of a bygone era, but I think it's just such a um, kind of, uh, it's a fascinating niche in history, you know, these, these photographs of, of the deceased. And so, you know, then coming a, a, upon this one was just sort of like, right. I mean, yeah. just mind blowing. It's, it's like one of the big ones. It's like finding a Superman number one in a barn somewhere, basically, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, the joke has sort of been amongst, you know, the, the folks that I work with, um, what else would be out there that would be like, you know, of the caliber of this and, and you know, we were thinking, well, like, if you, if somebody produced a photograph that we could prove was, was authentic of, like, Hitler alive after World War II, I mean, we're, I mean, I, I don't know, I mean, I'm trying to think what else there would be, and we're all really struggling to think kind of what what would be a photograph that would kind of blow your mind? Well, the only thing in comparison, and like I said, being in Nashville, music connected would probably be like Elvis and Tupac, mm -hmm. something like that, them all in a big bunch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Biggie Smalls on one end or something like that. But um, yeah, it was just, uh, it's just, a, it's a great find. And, uh, you know, I just, it was just amazing. I, uh, you know, the more I stared at it, like you said, you know, at first you're like, you're getting emotional and then you're like okay the reality is they have something there's too much pointed uh that is that isn't like now these people that are fighting over it is this picture like already worth money real or not like they're obviously wanting it for some significant value or something well i think you know that that's the question that comes up a lot is what's the value of the image and um you know the answer, the short answer is it's worth what someone's willing to pay for it. And I have no idea. And the only way you would know that is if it went to auction, um, you know, like the, the most expensive photograph to date sold at auction was uh, the Billy the Kid image. Um, the, it's the, it's the, the iconic Billy the Kid holding his rifle. Uh, it's a tin type uh, that was, I, I wanna say it went up for sale in 2011. I could be wrong on that year, but it went for like 2.3 million. Um, and that sold to Robert Koch, uh, no, or was, no, Bill Koch, I'm sorry, of the Koch brothers, uh, the big industrialists. And uh, that's, you know, it's a little two by three inch tin type photograph. Um, and that's, that's the most expensive historical image that's gone to date. And so I guess the question would be, and I can't answer this because you can't, no one can until there's an auction, you know, and there's actually hard cash being exchanged. But um, if Billy the Kid, while very cool, is not of the same historical significance as Lincoln. So presumably someone who is a Lincoln collector, of which there are many and many with deep pockets, would want this, but how much that, you know, would go for, I, I could not even speculate. 
and um, you know, taking you know taking the, the the financial value out of it. I mean, I think it's just you know the historical value. People people love to have aspects of Lincoln. I mean, if you if you follow the the auction world at all, I mean, people buy and sell shreds of his shirt that were you know supposedly cut off him that day. People sell locks of hair. I mean, people just can't get enough of Abraham Lincoln. Um, you know. Yeah. And I, I agree. He, he did so much. I mean, he was just a tremendous human. And even uh, when I got to go see the cabin he was born in, in Kentucky, as small as it is, I even got a little emotional because mm-hmm. you're thinking, okay, this man was born in this shack, literally not as big as this room I'm sitting in, and all that he accomplished in his short span of life. Just amazing. Um, the, the one thing I found related to uh, Lincoln that I've seen that I thought was really cool, uh, Mike Wolf has bought up a lot of the area where I live from American oh, Pickers. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has an original campaign banner, and it's actually in one of the um, stores he owns here in Columbia. I got to see it. That was pretty cool. Uh, it's it, kind of rough condition, but I mean, it's still, you know, got the color and the vibrance and everything, and I just always thought that was neat to see when I went in there, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, it's so cool, and I think, you know, one of the pushbacks that we got in making the documentary is some people felt, if they're believers in the picture, um, people felt like this is not how we want to show Lincoln. Like it's disrespectful. I mean, there was pushback from some people and I felt differently about that, I guess, because I felt like it was a testament to basically someone who gave their life in service of the country, you know, and I, I didn't feel that it was disrespectful because in, in my mind, it's, yeah, I got emotional, you know, I, many times looking at the picture because in my mind, it's like, you know, here, here's someone who, he holds the union together, he abolishes slavery, he lost brother-in-laws in the war, he buried two sons while he was in the White House. I mean, just this person who really kind of exemplifies service, right? Service to country. And then at the end of holding it all together, his life is taken. And so I felt to me, the picture was sort of like a testimony to a life of service that ends, you know. Yeah. In, in that manner. So for me, it didn't feel disrespectful. I mean, I felt like if anything, it was, it was just another view into the great man, you know, but I know that there, I, I will acknowledge that, that some people went, whoa, 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 you know, whether it's Lincoln or not, but especially if it is Lincoln, you know, I don't want to see this picture because I don't want to, I don't want to picture him that way in my mind. People want to picture him healthy and strong. And I saw where people were trying to have it halted production and all that. And it, in the life we're in right now, I mean, we're so as a whole, and I'm not getting any political things or anything, but everybody is so sensitive, but it's your right not to watch it. But I'm with you 100%. The love and admiration I had for the man and, and the respect from learning about him, you just, like you said, you see something and you see what he went through to make something happen. He he, he had a, serv- a servant's mentality. Yeah. You know, you, you look at people throughout the ages that uh, took a stand on anything, Gandhi, uh, Jesus, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. You know, in result, uh, there's, there's always someone there trying to take them down. And I just, I just thought it was a fitting piece. I, I'm on board as a historical buff and a, and a <laughs> Lincoln buff. I thought you did great. Cause like, okay, it's, you know, it's like 1130 midnight and I'm sitting here, you know, I'm, I'm in my late thirties now and I'm like, it's time to go to bed. And then of course, you know, I see this little documentary. I'm like, okay, I'll watch this while I'm falling asleep. Next thing I know, I'm like, I'm like, stuck. <laughs> what's going to happen here? Like what's going on with this? But, um, you know, fantastic piece. And, uh, 
you know, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy right. and uh, I'd love to talk to you again. If you got anything else going on, you've got so much interesting stuff about you. Like, I feel like I got smarter just breathing. Oh, you're so kind. You know. Well, I'd be happy yeah. to, to talk anytime on any topic. And yeah, we've got another documentary in the works right now um, for HBO uh, looking at a, uh, I won't be on camera for this, but it just, I'm working on the research team uh, looking at a, a 60 year old murder. Uh, kind of peeling back the layers. Uh, so it'll be a very different kind of vibe. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I mean, just uh, working. Yeah, I've got other other kind of irons in the fire. So I'd be happy to come back and, and talk anytime because you're great. Just looking at your Wikipedia, I was like, wow, she has got a lot of cool stuff going on. But like I said, I didn't want to take up too much of your time. Well, when that becomes available, we'll talk some more. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I just uh, so appreciate uh, the support. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations on getting married. Uh, let me know and I'll send you a unique gift here from Middle Tennessee, okay? Oh, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> and that wraps up this special presidential birthday slash President's Day tribute to Abraham Lincoln podcast. Special thanks to Whitney Braun for bringing her brilliance and her amazing documentary that you can watch called The Lost Lincoln on Discovery Plus. All right, thank you for your time. I appreciate you listening. And remember, I love you for you and where you're at in life. Uh, We'll catch you later on down the line. And thank you very, very much. All right, happy President's Day. God bless America. Josh Belcher out.